0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the stream. This is the prestigious one, Joe Henry here, and this is my brand new podcast series. It's called How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Now, I got inspired to do this series because I was watching a guy called Gary V, if you've ever heard of him. His content got me thinking. He was saying, you know, if you're a content producer, you need to think about what sort of thing you can offer your audience. And I was coming at it from a perspective of, you know, a lot of the streams that I was doing and stuff like that. It was stuff I wanted to do, whereas I was like, got thinking what do people want from me what can I offer so I thought about the question I get asked most and that is about how to become a professional wrestler so I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you how I did it now this is not going to be perfect I've made a lot of mistakes along the way but a part of becoming a successful pro wrestler is you guessed it learning from your mistakes And let's get cracking. So, the first thing that I want to talk about is basically everything has to come down from a top-down perspective. And what I mean by that is don't just dive into pro wrestling. Come into professional wrestling with a plan of what you want to achieve. And that could be anything. <clears throat> what people need to understand is not everybody needs to be the world champion. My goal is to be the world champion. My goal is to be recognized as the best wrestler in the business, and I recognize that is a very long journey, but every, every step that I take is going towards that goal, and I've had that goal since I started in the business. Just because that's my goal doesn't necessarily mean that if you have a goal that's different, that yours is any less valid. Um, are folks still with me? Can we just check the chat there? Can you let me know? I'm always paranoid about whether this is going down or not. Uh, we're, we've got a few technical difficulties, but we, we learn as we go, as you guys know. So give me a, give me a little comment if, uh, if if we're still rolling. That'd be appreciated. But anyway, um, I shall move on. But basically, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about, about my journey. I'm going to tell you about my journey, I'm going to tell you about the mistakes I made, I'm going to tell you about the things I did right, the things I did wrong, and another thing about the wrestling business is it's better to learn from other people's mistakes than to make your own, so that's kind of part of what I'm doing here. So how did I get into professional wrestling? Well, professional wrestling was what I wanted to do from probably, I think, I think 14 is when I kind of thought, you know, this is something that I would really like to do, Um and I had this goal that when I was 16 or 18, whatever I, whatever the number was, I was going to move down to Portsmouth and train at the FWA Academy. Because for me, in my mind, there was WWE, then there was TNA, then there was FWA. And those were the promotions that I knew. And I knew about that because of the Wrestling Channel. Um, and I knew that they had a training school and they produced wrestlers. Uh, well, I know that... Drew McIntyre, I believe, went down there. Um, You know, um, I remember, you know, a certain pirate brother that I mentioned on Impact Wrestling, Uh, Katerina, Paul Burchill, you know, Alex Shane was down there. doug williams was heavily involved with fwa i mean if you watched fwa you had literally you had the, the roster was was nuts between fwa and british uprising you, i swear to god it was insane you had mick foley you had cm punk coming in you had raven you had aj styles doug williams you had daniel bryan the roster is un it's is insane it's unbelievable so for me as a 14 15 year old discovering this stuff and realizing that it was on the same island as me i could go to the training school that produces these this caliber wrestler you blew me away so that's I became you know I I'm around that age just when I decided to do it but for whatever reason I didn't do it and part of the reason was I didn't know because think about what we know about fitness health and exercise now compared to what we knew uh 15 years ago when I was thinking about this I thought that I was just a smaller, thinner guy. I didn't know that you can put on lean muscle. I didn't know that you can change your body. I just thought, you know, this is, you can make a little bit difference, but this is what I've been given. You know? So I thought, you know, oh, this wrestling thing. I remember there was a few times where I'd kind of dipped my toes in the water. I remember phoning up about there was an AJ Styles seminar taking place at FWA and I phoned up when I was about 15 or something like that. And it ended up being the wrong number, and I was like, oh and I, I got I got scared and hung up the phone. <laughs> so that didn't go any further. There was another time um when I actually popped along to have a look at a seminar down in um Oh, it was it's Don it was Doncaster, that's it. And it was at a place called the Grimsby. And I remember going to the show, the um now this was 1 PW, and I remember uh the Ring of Honor title was being defended in this tiny venue um by Nigel McGuinness um and you know aka Desmond Wolf in uh, in Impact or TNA, if you will, at the time. Um, And again, you just had huge names. You had like Abyss in the Grimsby as well. And this is a tiny venue. And I remember going in there and it's crazy. Like on that day, I remember, you know, I met El Ligero, who I happened to be in a a wrestling stable with many years later. I mean, this was about 2007. And around this time, I'd already had... uh, you know, I, I had my, I think my, probably my green belt in judo by that point. And when I'd gone to look at it, I think I was, I was, I think about 20, 19 or 20. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember thinking, you know, this, I think this is exciting, but I kind of want to finish uni first. Um, I kind of want to get my black belt first because one of my problems is I never finished anything, and so I ended up just falling back into doing the band and doing music. And don't get me wrong, I am so passionate, and you know I absolutely love um, music. It's you know I've got a SG right there, my whole I've got a Vox amplifier there. My whole gimmick in wrestling is about music, but professional wrestling was just my number one love. And it wasn't until I was approaching 25 that I finally decided to get over what was my fear of failure, okay? So that is what kept me away from wrestling for a long time, It was the fear of failure. And there's that thing that Jim Carrey talks about when he says, um, he talks about his dad, and it's a different example because I was doing music, you know what I mean? But it's a different example, he was saying like, look, his dad always played it safe, his dad was hilarious, he could have been a professional comedian, but he always played it safe because he needed that steady job. And he got fired from the steady job and Jim Cady's saying, well, you can fail at the thing you don't want to do. So why not just do the thing that you want to do? And what had happened with the band, long story short, I won't bore you with the details because I know what it's like. You're here for wrestling, but let's just summarize it with this. I go to a point where I managed to fill the picture house in Edinburgh with about probably it was it was sold out quote unquote a bit of market in there so there's probably a bit give or take there's probably nine hundred people in there and it was set up for a thousand so for an unsigned band you know there's probably a hundred comps or something like that for an unsigned band <clears throat> that's a pretty that's pretty good going I end up getting this meeting with Sony we blag this meeting we get this senior. A and R exec to look at us, which never usually happens. It's usually you gotta scout first, but we got to go right to the top at the Sony Tower in New York and they told us, Listen, real out the stuff. That's five years ago we'd have given you a two album deal, but you don't have enough YouTube hits. That's what's about nowadays. If you get a million hits, we'll send you to a two album deal, but we don't have any links with RCA, which was the division of Sony that it is. So it was, you know, Justin Timberlake and stuff like that, and Foo Fighters and artists like that. But we don't have any links with the RCA UK division, so we can't even give you a development deal for over there. So right now it's a no. And at that point, I realized. That was our own, that we had that option, and we got offered an independent deal, which seemed like it was for a lot of money, but it was giving us impossible financial targets to meet from this independent label that was basically going to leave us bankrupt after a very short space of time. So it became clear that I had these dreams of we were going to go over to America and do make it with the band and all that, and this was not going to happen. So... This had fallen through. I'd got a 1,000 people along to this show for an unsigned band. I'm thinking, man, I I couldn't even get a scout along to this gig. I'm thinking, if I can't even get a scout along to this gig with a 1,000 people in it, then something's wrong with this business. And there is something wrong with the music business. But that caused me to reflect. That was a real kind of loss for me. When I came back, I'd spent all my money. I'd spent money I didn't have. I got myself into about five grand of debt trying to push the band. I am still paying that off. It's about a third to a half of the way paid off because I give a, a little bit every month. Um, I'm just paying it off bit by bit. But I got myself into debt because I just, you know, I wanted to, I wanted it that bad. And then um, I decided, you know, I, at that point, I didn't have a job. I'd finished uni, but that's really all I had. All I had was my degree. I'd finished my job and I decided, you know what, I've got no job. I don't really know where I'm going to be living at the moment. Um, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any prospects going on with the music thing. We'd got caught up with lawyers and this indie deal and all that. And by that point, the buzz had died right down and we built it up like we were going to America. So just wasn't happening anymore. So I was like, right, okay. Um, I'm going to, you know what? I remember chatting to my parents and you know, it's a, it's a shame. Like I I always throw my mom under the bus with these, but it's funny. Um, (laughs) just, I remember, uh, I was talking about going to Booker T's wrestling school because that's... I, for some reason, I had an obsession with America. I didn't... It was a crazy idea. I didn't have the money to go over there, but for some reason, I was going to go to... It was either Landstorm or Booker T's school. I didn't really have the money, and we always make fun of my mum because, like, you know, she doesn't know, like, certain wrestlers' names and stuff, and I would say them, but she's like, if you want to do your Booker T, you go do your Booker T. And I remember uh, there was one time when... uh I've actually filmed quite a lot of footage for the BBC that's never been used on I think two or th- three occasions. But one of the things that reminds me of it as well, they asked my mum to name as many wrestlers as possible, <laughs> and she was like, eh, "The The Rock, uh, the Booker T, McMahon, McMahon." And uh, so yeah, that's kind of by the by. It just it was just kind of funny. Always. Uh, You know what it's like. It's always fun to uh, quote your parents a little bit and their perspective of your journey. But anyway, I decided, I was talking to my parents, I decided, you know what? I'm going to give this pro wrestling thing a go. Now, here's the thing, right? I have paid my dues in a different way. I was doing live music performance from the age of 15. So by the time pro wrestling came about, I was basically, I'd been a stage performer and my thing was the chat. I'd always, even if people didn't like our music, we had a bit of banter on stage. We always managed to get that crowd going. So for 10 years, I'd been basically doing promos on stage without even realizing it. So I don't want people to think that this initial flurry into wrestling is just like that and I got straight to the top because it's that kind of overnight success thing. 2013 was a crazy year for me. That's when I started, at the start of the year, is when I started training. By the end of the year, I had a WWE tryout. I was in ICW. There was crazy stuff going on. So it was a crazy year, but I don't want you guys to think that it was like an overnight success thing because there had there had been ten years of performing getting to that point. So that's something you need to think about. You need to use your strengths. Like, so for example, the way I'm coming at it is I'm never gonna be able to be better than, you know, the the best guys in the ring in a year because you need experience to be able to do that. But what if I come up with this character, I can skip the queue a little bit. So what I'm trying to tell you here, folks, is look, the moral of the story is this. It's all hard work, right? Hard work is the main thing, but there are hacks to skip the queue and get to certain points quicker than people would maybe want you to do it. If you have a certain timeline in mind, there are ways to advance it. I'm going to tell you how. So let's just go straight. That's the intro right there. You've, You've got the backstory, right? The other thing I need to tell you, the other disclosure is by that point, I had my black belt in judo. I'd done that while I was at university, and I will say that gave me an excellent foundation. If you are thinking of getting into professional wrestling, if you are well-versed in a combat sport or even a sport like gymnastics or, you know, like it could be dancing or it could be any, honestly, Any sort of physical sport or type of performance, you're going to find something from that that that's going to help you carry you through your career. And you will... The thing is, look, everybody's good at wrestling now. The standard in-ring is so high that what these bigger companies and the fans are going to be looking for from you as a new performer is what do you bring to the table from your background that's different? And for me, it was the music thing. I knew that I could do that on a level, in my opinion... You've got to be confident, and this is how I feel. I feel that nobody can do what I do with the entrances and the music to this standard. Not anyone, not in any company in the world. I know that I can go toe-to-toe with anybody with what I do. And that confidence, you can find that from your background. Because what I love about people from meeting fans and knowing just hundreds of people is that everyone is talented in their own way. Think about every person you know. Every one of those people is an expert in something, no matter how small, and you can use that to boost your pro wrestling career. But what you must do is you can skip the queue, you can hack the system, but your fundamentals must be on point. That's the one thing that's carried me through. When people have criticized you know, my physique or my match quality or, or whatever, when people have criticized me, the one thing they can't do is criticise, well, I mean, they can, you know what I mean, but I think it would be unfair to criticise my fundamentals. I feel, from day one, from a first match, I feel I had put in a great deal of work to have a solid grasp of the fundamentals. And I saw an interview with Daniel Bryan when he was talking about what made him good and what made fans like him, and he said, fundamentals, fundamentals. It's like you'll have... MMA guys talk about how they became world champions and it's the same with that with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with pro wrestling it's a ruthless execution of the basics okay so you're thinking to yourself if you listen to this you're at least curious about becoming a pro wrestler so let's go back to the start how are you going to become a pro wrestler so as I've said The first thing you got to do is ask yourself, why? For me, I had this burning desire to be involved in the professional wrestling business. I absolutely loved. And for me, it was watching The Rocks promos. It was watching The Rocks promos. That's what captivated me. And I learned that the reason I like, and this is what I try and keep in my mind as well when I'm doing my entrances and my promos, and I mean the custom entrances, is that I need to think, and it was William Regal gave me this advice. He said, always you need to think about why you got into wrestling. It's easy to get stuck in the wrestling bubble, but you need to think about what got you into wrestling. And for me, it was The Rock's promos. And the reason was because the you'll find this with any top talent, and I see it in The Rock, in Stone Cold Steve Austin, in Becky Lynch, in any of these top talents, and it's the same thing. They do what they want to do when they want to do it. That is a freedom that, we can't live in our everyday lives. So when I watched The Rock and the way he talked to his boss and the way that Steve Austin talked to his boss and the way that Becky Lynch talks to her opponents, they're talking to, so The Rock talked to his opponents in a way that I wished I could have talked to the bullies at school like. So I lived vicariously through that. Now, remember what i was saying about this podcast in that I'm doing it because I'm providing a service to you. Rather than me going this is what I want to do. I'm going, how can I give you some invaluable information? That's what these, that's, if you can get your mindset right and get in the same space for pro wrestling, approach it that way and think, okay, so I'm providing a service for the audience. I'm providing them entertainment. I'm providing them relief from their, the stresses of their lives. I'm giving them a chance to live vicariously through me and do and say the things that they want to do but cannot do within their situation. Who knows, you might even inspire someone to get involved in professional wrestling. We all get into wrestling for different reasons. For me, that was my reason. For some people prefer technical wrestling. Some people like, you know, uh, the the strong style, if you will, or some people like, you know, these kind of five-star indie matches. Everyone likes wrestling for a different reason. Think about why you love it and what you can offer. And there are some harsh truths that come along with that. This business, unfortunately, is not about who deserves it. It's about who can do the job for the most part. It's about who can deliver. It actually is, it helps, but it is not a prerequisite to be passionate about the business. But it will help you in those tough times because there will be times where if you do not absolutely love this, you will just quit you will quit because there are times that are so tough. And I can tell you now, the mental challenges that come along with professional wrestling is unlike anything I have ever experienced before. And I've been to the Commonwealth games and I have to get my ass whooped in a stadium. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the nature of the beast. There's nothing like this. So think about why you want to do this. Professional wrestling, I would not, I'm not saying you can't, okay? But I would not recommend approaching this as just a hobby, something to do one night a week. And the reason is because not, this is your opponent's life is in your hands and vice versa. Can you live with yourself if you cost someone their career or even their life because you didn't care enough to, be, to have solid fundamentals or to be safe, to care enough? about the business, to care enough about the craft, to care enough about your opponents. Also, it's very, very tough. It is very, very tough. That being said, I was lucky and that I had nothing to lose. So there was no fear of failure for me. So I got into professional wrestling just able to run it at 100 miles an hour. I didn't care, I was already in debt. I might as well get in some more debt. And I, I wouldn't recommend it, folks, because I'm still paying off those debts, but I used, I used a credit card to pay for my training. If I could go back, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have relied on that and payday loans because if things hadn't have worked out for me, in the way that they did, I would be in quite a dire financial situation right now. So I would advise you to build up a little nest egg of cash to put into your training. This should be your life if you want to reach a certain level of success. You need to accept that, okay? So you are going to have to make sacrifices. And for me, look, priorities change in life. You get things that are very important to you, you've got your family, and your friends who you love, but this business, commands everything of you and you almost need to approach it with that respect so you're thinking about why you want to do it even if you're not saying this is my life right now what if there's a part of you and this was me what if there's a part of you that says i need to do this because i need to find out i need to know i need to know i can't die I can't end up in a grave without ever testing myself and finding out if I could do this because for some reason in my heart I knew I could be the world champion I knew I had the skills I knew I had something within me that that meant I had an aptitude for this business that meant I could be successful don't ask me where it came from but it was an unwavering confidence and I knew if I didn't try I would never forgive myself I think I think about where I could be in life without having tried this, you know? How different my life could be. And if you've even got a hint of that feeling within you, then don't you owe it to yourself to try. Now I'm saying I don't recommend that you do this as a hobby per se, but if this is within you and you're thinking, oh, maybe I could just give this a shot. Maybe I could give this a go. Look, start training twice a week. Start training twice a week. If you can't train twice a week, If that's too much, then do not expect to get to the top level. Your work must reflect your expectations. This business owes you nothing. You must be willing to work. And hey, there will be situations where you will have worked so much harder than other people getting opportunities around you. But guess what? That is the business. A promoter's vision of wrestling is exactly that. It is a promoter's vision of wrestling. That doesn't mean they're right or wrong. It's an opinion. So if they book someone a certain way or whatever, that's their opinion. Not everyone, You're not gonna be everyone's taste. And you kind of need to accept that. But the harder you work, the better chance that you have got at being successful. So let's start at the very beginning. You've got your reason why. Maybe it's like me. Maybe you feel like you need to reach your full potential. You can be the world champion. Maybe you think, I just have a passion for this. I just wanna be involved. And that's okay too, because you know what? Not everyone needs to be the world champion. There can be roles for everyone. You can be a wrestler, and some people I know are excellent professional wrestlers perform on a regional and occasionally a national level. There are people who want more. They want to perform on an international level. There are people who are quite happy performing locally once or twice a month, and that is absolutely fine. But as long as your work reflects what you expect. Not only that, if you don't want to get in the ring, if you don't want to be a wrestler, there are, you can be a manager, you can you can be a, a broadcast call. you can be, there are so many, you can work the merch stall, you can do everything. Learn as much as you can about this business. Don't be afraid to get involved in every aspect of it. I remember when I started, I had to you know do posters and hand out flyers and stuff like that. I remember the first time I showed up to an ICW, I can't believe the trust, but they just handed me the cash desk and says, right, you're doing the tickets tonight make sure it all adds up, and I was like, okay, you know, Um, yeah, it's, there will be situations, you know, don't be afraid to set up the ring, you need to know how to set up the ring, this is a business, if you've got true passion for it, you'll want to be involved in every single aspect of it, now, You've got your why, whatever it may be. It can be a variety of different reasons. It could be for the reasons I mentioned. It could be you want to prove something to a family member. Or you know what? You just, you, you love pro wrestling and you, want, and you want to try something new. And You don't need to start with that immense pressure that I started with. Some people that I know got into it, quite liked it, and they're now signed to WWE. You know what I mean? And be, and they live and breathe it now. But if there's something that's drawn, to you, drawn you to the business, don't you owe it yourself to try. Now let's say you're listening to this podcast you might have made up your mind before this podcast. Maybe you're making up your mind right now, but trust me, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to live with the regret of not giving it a go. So let's say like me, you've decided to give it a go. What you need to do is find yourself a reputable training school. This is going to offend some people. Most training schools are probably not going to teach you what you need to know to compete at a high level today. That's just a fact. That's just the way it is. There are so many times I meet people and they go, oh, I'm training big Billy down the road. And it's like, oh, you know, it's a really good school. And I'm like, don't, you know, and this is a horrible thing to say. Because effectively, I'm taking business away from someone but if someone asks me genuinely how do I be successful in the business and I'm and they tell me that they're training with someone who has done nothing has no credentials has nothing of real value to offer then who am I if I sit there and just nod and say oh cool cool no it's not good enough find yourself an excellent training school now these are the things that you want to look out for there's no excuse now there's a, there are so many great training schools, so many filled with people who have actually done stuff. So if your local training school happens to be five minutes away and the local trainer is one of the top talents in the UK, fantastic, good for you, makes sense, doesn't it? However, if that training school that's five minutes away from you has someone who, hasn't really wrestled for a major promotion, hasn't really done much on the indies, isn't over, doesn't, hasn't really done that much, then sorry to hurt people's feelings, but maybe if you're serious about it, maybe you need to go elsewhere to gain the right knowledge. It will be money and time well spent. For me, there were three, well, for me, there were two real options where I was. So why does that search for training schools? That's all I did. And that's where it starts, people. Do a Google search. Now I've just had a look there. One, Someone in the comments says I was training uh, under Marty Jones for a while. Um, Marty provided a, a a sizable portion of my training and is actually a huge influence on me. If he's nearby, that's from where you want to go. You may see the Pam strikes I do before my neck breaker. I get that from him. A lot of the movements and sequences I do in the ring, I take influence from him. Marty is... He's got a phenomenal mind for the business and it's a timeless mind for the business. So um, I'm really enjoying the comments, by the way, folks. Thank you for uh, thank you for going on. The, obviously, this is a podcast, so I am watching them and I'm going to try and tackle them as I go. Um, but there will be, I'm going to have to keep this in like a podcast format for, format for the audio listeners as well. Um, but I am watching what you're saying. I'll try and tackle it in a, in a kind of roundabout way, in a generalized way, so it can apply to everyone. But basically for me, these were the options, right? I was looking online, and at the time, 2013, it was my New Year's resolution. I decided from 2013, from the start, pro wrestling is gonna be my life. It's gonna be my life, that's just it. So what I did is I went on Google, searched professional wrestling schools, and I think I typed in Scottish wrestling, something like that, and up came SWA and the Source Wrestling School. Um, which, believe it or not, for a while was called... Uh, they had a, a, a kind of trainee show called NXT at one point, believe it or not. Um, and obviously, they, they did a deal. And uh, the, the trademark is now with, with WWE. It's an interesting part of Scottish wrestling history, that. But there you go. Um, so, basically, um, Source Wrestling School was one option. And PBW was the other. Now, I'll give you just even just a few examples over at PBW. And you can notice trends right so if you look at if if you like the kind of if you're if you're a fan of the style of like let's look at some of their top talents like a Kenny Williams or a Noam Dar two phenomenal talents doing their thing in WWE right now then PBW was that school and that was their sort of style over on the other hand source wrestling which was a bit more kind of the um I would say so it was a bit more of a matte wrestling style, a bit more grappling, which was more suited to me, like myself and the Coffee Brothers and Viper and stuff like that. Um I you know, I hate to miss people out, but obviously, you know, there was uh Nicky Cross and Killian Dane were obviously trainers there and stuff like that. I uh, that that's where I chose. Um and Mikey Whiplash was probably between between him and Dane, well, Mikey Whiplash was probably my main trainer. Um but that's where I went because that was kind of the style for me um they're just different styles and now i would say i would inject gpwa into the mix as well um obviously they've got on one hand you look at the alumni from source you look at the alumni from pbw that speaks for itself and now with gpwa you're starting to see the talent that's coming through there that is basically filling up the icw roster and they've got links with a company so if your goal is is if, you're, if your main goal is to get an ICW, then maybe you do what Leighton Buzzer did and you jump on a bus, you move your ass up to Glasgow, you leave everything behind and you start basically training full-time at GPWA, being in shape, having great promos, being the total package, going in and training your ass off and he's going to be successful. It's, it's obvious to see. It's easy to see. This is, there's no real secret to it, folks. Wrestling is really broken down for me personally in these ways you got, think about the different elements of this business. For me, you can break it down to this. And this is just my opinion. This is just my opinion, right? So you got charisma. That's where like your promo and your gimmick and basically your your non-physical entertainment value comes into that section. Then you've got your presentation, which is like your, your look, the way that you look. And then you've got your in-ring ability, which is obviously your moves to your legitimacy, to the match quality, things like that. And to me, you need to, if you're weak in one, you just need to, you need to up your game. For me, uh, obviously, the because of the background I had with 10 years of performing, the charisma side of things, the character side of things, that came to me a lot easier. It took me a while to get myself in half decent shape, probably about three, four years before I got in shape. I'm still not happy, you know? I started proper weight training at like 25 years old. That's pretty late, you know? And I'll tell you now, I don't mind talking about it. It's not not for everyone to talk about, but I'm just gonna tell you, I'm a a 100% clean athlete. I've never taken any banned substances. I've never injected anything. I am a completely natural athlete. At this point, I don't even use any supplements or anything like that. I used to use protein powder and stuff like that early on. I didn't like it, I didn't like the taste of it, it didn't work for me, I may experiment with with creatine but the thing I've always prided myself on is I may not be the most ripped guy in the world but if you look at me and you look at the things I've done, two-time British champion, went to the Commonwealth Games, I didn't win a medal but I haven't taken any shortcuts right and to me I would rather that it took, this is just my personal opinion, I'm not judging anybody for anything they do, I'm just speaking for myself and what I'm saying for me is being a clean athlete, I want to set an example, I want to see how far I can take my physique, how, how far can you take a natural physique, you know, and I'm I'm really happy with the progress that I'm making, I'm still making that progress, but I'm still working it, and I'm not happy, but I'm getting there, I'm making progress every day, but that's the point, the charisma thing was there, I'm still working on the I'm, st- I'm still working on the charisma thing, but I'm putting a lot of time in the gym. I'm doing, you know, mat wrestling and things like that. Even just walking the dog loads to shed a few extra pounds, you know, it's a lot of work. And on the other hand, I think what you'll probably notice if we're being fair is a lot of people were uh, critical of my in-ring performances. And I would say, I, I think that's a fair criticism, but I would put this to you, right? Can you really be world-class? It's something that you just started two or three years ago. When I wrestled Kurt Angle in the main event of a pay-per-view, I'd been on shows for like two years. Two, three, sorry. I'd been on shows for three years. That was actually, I think that was the third anniversary of me being on shows. Can you expect me to be world-class at something I'd started three years ago? Some people can. Matt Riddle is. Ronda Rousey is. Some people can just do it and take to it like that. For me, it took a little bit longer. But the point that I'm making, folks, is those are your elements, right? If Now, let me put this to you. If you're what we would consider larger or out of shape, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're this thing, that your presentation is bad. What if your act is to be huge? Let's look at Crater on WS, one of the most over guys on WS, because he was absolutely huge. Would his gimmick have worked if he was super thin and had abs? No, it would not. And you know what? We need someone like that. So just because you're not ripped, <coughs> don't think that, you, that your look can't be a 10. If you look at action figures, think about yourself as an action figure. The person who I look at these days, well, in the modern era, if you will, is Finn Balor. That guy is a marketing genius. He is one of the smartest guys in the professional wrestling business. Look at the way he went into WWE. He made himself an action figure with the paint, with the demon character. That is an action figure right there. When I think about back, on the flip side, he's he's in possibly the best shape a person could be. But on the other side, you've got mankind. But again, because of his presentation, he looks like an action figure, like this crazy mass murderer, like character, so just because you're not ripped, don't think that you can't, that your presentation can't be a 10, because it can, because when Mick Foley did a promo as Mankind, you believed that the guy was insane, and that's what it is, that's what I'm trying to help you guys understand, the reason I'm striving for a better physique is because my thing is this, I'm the singing wrestler, yeah, but I'm the Commonwealth athlete i'm the two time British amateur wrestling champion. My thing again, my biggest influence is the rock. My thing doesn't really work if i'm if I'm not in good shape so i i and hey i'm I'm not even saying I'm in great shape now. I need to improve I know that work needs to go in. I get that, but that's why I'm striving to have a a muscular bigger look if you know what i mean my my goal is kind of i look at someone like. Bobby Roode, and think, you know, that's kind of, where I'd like to be physique-wise, that's kind of like a goal for me, you know, Um, because that's the type of wrestler that I want to be, maybe if you want to, let's have a little think, again, if Rey Mysterio had an extra 50 pounds of muscle, would his presentation work as well? No, that's who he needs to be, so think about your presentation in that way. So if you are lagging in one of these areas, how can you make up for it? There are other people, I'm not going to, you know, throw anybody under the bus, but there are very famous wrestlers who just do not cut promos. They've created a, you know, you can be creative around it. There are ways to mask what you're not good at. And that is what professional wrestling is about in your first few years, is accentuating your strengths and absolutely hiding your weaknesses. There will moves that, that you will never see me do. Basic moves that I just can't make them look good. So I don't bother doing them. And again, that's that's another piece of advice I got from William Regal is if you don't do something well, if you don't do something the best, if you're doing a drop kick and somebody else does a better drop kick, then do something else. Find something different. You need to differentiate yourself. So on another podcast, maybe we'll get into how you can build your physique for what you're wanting to portray, but I'll give you an example. When I was in Canada, someone asked me, how do I get up the card? And I gave them the answer, and I can give you the answer right now, but people don't want to hear it because it's not what they want to hear. Here's the answer, get get an over-the-top gimmick. That's it, skip the queue, get an over-the-top gimmick and you can get booked right away, because guess what, if you've been in the business a year, are you going to be a better wrestler than Daniel Bryan? It's almost impossible, the answer is no, you're not going to be, but again, can you create a captivating character that a promoter can go, I'll have that on my show, because they do this, yes you can, again, I'm not a fan of it, I'm just being honest, I'm not a fan of what Joey Ryan does with the, the dick flip stuff and all that, but certain promoters. Again, it's a taste thing. If I had a promotion, I'm not going to book that because I'm more of a, hey, I'm just just thrown out there. I come from more of a Jim Cornette uh, school of thought, but that's not putting down what he's doing. That's me just saying it's not for me. But what you have to respect really is how big a noise that made, how effective that was in getting booked and making money, and selling merchandise, and building a fan base, and building a brand. Everyone in wrestling knows who he is. And again, it's Joey Ryan is a great wrestler, but it's not, you don't, the masses don't know him for his wrestling, they know him for that, because he found something different, like you say, an over-the-top gimmick. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that you do that. It's not for me, I'm not a fan of it, but I'm just making the point that there are things that you can take and that you can do that you can effectively skip the queue, if you will. I'm not saying he did, obviously he's paid his dues ten times over, he's been in the business a long time, but I'm just using that as an example. That, you know, the dick flip is not like, you know, technical wizardry. It's it's a funny gimmick. And it works in getting booked and making money and selling merchandise. So that's not for me, but I can look at that principle and go, now what can I think of? that works for me that, that I can do that works within my principles that I can maybe take inspiration from that. And so for example, that's kind of the, where when I started the custom entrances and we'll get into that on a different day. But let's get back to the training, right? I'm just telling you these things because when you approach your training, I want you to approach it and think about these things. Is my physique constantly getting better? Is my, or my promos constantly getting better? Is my in-ring work constantly getting better you always must be improving these areas think about those three different areas but here's what you have to do train as often as you can I went to source pretty much every day pretty much every day in my first year and I found out so I started and I'll tell you what happened so I picked source wrestling school because they had Fergal Devitt who's now known as Finn Balor down at the school I saw John Laurinaitis um, who was obviously very high up in talent relations in WWE, had been to Source Wrestling School. And I'm like, right, okay. I like the style of their wrestling. I've seen they've had a lot of people uh, deliver seminars. This looks credible. I'm going to give it a go. So I did. I went along and on my first day, here's one of the mistakes I made. Um, I went in and I basically was overconfident. And I said to, I remember saying to Nikki and Demo and Mikey Whiplash, and I said, you know, I uh I'm willing to put in the work. I wanna I'd asked people about like, oh, can people get WWE tryouts and stuff? I was like, right, I wanna get a WWE tryout within a year and I wanna get signed, I wanna perform for either WWE or impact within X amount of years, and I'm willing to put in the work. Now, if everyone that came through the door and said that was true and was willing to put in the work, then the business would be, you know, there'd be Hundreds of thousands of people doing it. So there was cynicism at the start. It was like, right, okay, let's not get ahead of yourself. So my advice to you would be don't go in with that mentality. It is better to understate and overdeliver rather than to overstate and under underdeliver. If you set the bar this high and say, I'm going to be world champion, if you don't achieve that, then all people will remember is that you didn't achieve that. Go in and let your work speak for you let your work speak for itself and that's an approach I took later when I did the Ring of Honor tryout which I was successful in because I got to go on the tours and I'll explain how I approached it differently then but thankfully Nikki and Killian Dane and they gave me the time of day but Mikey Whiplash was the one that said all right well I'll tell you what if that's your goal then let's do it why not and I don't know why, but for some reason, he believed me. And so I started doing the classes as often as I could, but I would get kind of one-on-one sessions or myself, one other student and Mikey Whiplash. And I I just, I was picking his brain. I had so many questions. And because I was so passionate about it, it was question after question, after question, after question. Again, this was a burning desire to do it. I remember, honestly, you can ask Killian Dane. I, look, I Honestly, I've looked back at the Facebook messages between me and him, and I feel sorry for that guy because for a year, it was just question after question after question all day, every day. Please explain this to me. Please explain this to me. Explain this to me. And there must have been like, oh my God, my parents used to say when I was a kid, the question shops shut. Poor Killian Dane. Probably wanted to say that a few times. But if, you're, if you want to know the answer, if you've got questions questions to ask, that's probably a good sign. It's better to do one thing well than to do five things so-so. That's what I find. So try and... It's impossible to master anything in wrestling, but go with that attitude. Try and master one or two things rather than try and be great at everything. Because like I said, chances are, if you're talking about drop kicks, that, you know, there's probably someone who's doing a phenomenal drop kick on the show. So what can you do? Find some, something that you can do that not many other people are doing and make it your own, and do it in a way that gets so good at it that that you do the best one on the show. That sort of thing. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here, because you've just walked in the training school. You've learned from my mistake. You're not going in there and saying that you're going to conquer the world. You're going in, you're introducing yourself, you're saying hi to everybody. Now, here's the thing. You'll hear this thing about in the wrestling business, they tell you that you're meant to go in and shake everybody's hand. And yeah, you're meant to shake everybody's hand, right? That's the rule. But what they don't tell you is maybe not everybody is ready to shake your hand. Maybe they're in the middle of a conversation. Maybe they're doing something. Use your common sense. Yes, wrestling's a bit of a weird business and it's, it's a good thing because you have to introduce yourself to everybody, but don't just interrupt someone's conversation. Do it in a tactful way. Wait for Maybe wait for that person to finish, not nearby, take a step back, do your thing, let them have their space and then when they have a free moment, then introduce yourself. Use your common sense, be polite and do that when you go into training. I would also recommend, some people have different viewpoints on this. Some people say just dive in. I would say do some very basic things fitness-wise before you go. I'm talking about run for 10 minutes. If you can't run for 10 minutes there's no way you're gonna survive professional wrestling training. Again, it depends on your goals though. Some people do wrestling to get fit and then drift into a career after it. But for me, I had these huge goals. I wanted to be world champion. I wanted to be these things. So I wanted to have physical fitness before I went, if you will. So I spent about three months doing weight training before I went to professional wrestling. Again, that's because I wanted to come from that viewpoint. But... That doesn't work for everyone. Maybe you might just want to get in there because I'll tell you what, what I've learned with amateur wrestling is it's just better to get in and do it. Don't try and prepare yourself. Just get in and do it. Just get in there and do it. The other thing is I'll tell you, I'm going to shout out a few myths. Um, You'll hear people talk in dojos about doing like, oh, they did 500 squats here and 500 squats there. Doing 500 squats is garbage, okay? That is garbage, what that's going to do is wreck your knees. Now, our school was heavily influenced by that kind of Japanese style of training. And, you know, power to anyone that can do 500 squats one after the other. I'm not one of those people. I cannot do 500 quality squats one after the other. And I'm not sure, maybe it is possible. I've heard it's possible. But we would do it in sets of 50, um, My approach to training is different now. I believe in high intensity interval training. I believe in wrestling drills, they're phenomenal. But if I was starting again, knowing what I know now, and here's the difficulty, if my trainer asks me to do 500 squats, then you sure as hell better do 500 squats. You just find a way to do it and you find a way to get through it. I have physically thrown up in training, trying to do what is being asked of me. And because I was pushed to that limit, and I'm just gonna be honest, I found, when I had tryouts, the drills to me were, they are are brutal, but I found them procedural because I was ready for them, because I trained those drills every single day. I spoke to people who had been to tryouts, I found out what they did, and I practiced it every single day, multiple times. So when I got to my tryout, I knew exactly what was going to be asked of me and I was going to be able to do it to the right standard. Um, But the reason I talk about the 500 squats is because I don't believe that's good for my body. But if I'm a trainee and the experienced trainer says, do your 500 squats, I'm not saying we did that all the time. You know, most of the time it would be 100 or 200 or something like that, which is a different kettle of fish. But again, who's asking you to do 500 squats? If it's reputable trainer, like Killian Dane or... Nikki Cross or Mikey Whiplash, then you're going to do it and you're going to trust the research that they've put in. But if it's a non-reputable trainer, are they just are they asking you to do it because they're going to be able to are they going to be able to correct your posture if you're doing it wrong or are they asking you to do it because they haven't done it themselves and it's something they read about or something they heard about in a story? That's why you've got to have reputable trainers. So at least I knew when we were doing these, these drills that they were going to be able to correct my technique and anything like that. You just go look after your body, all right? Personally, for me, <clears throat> I'm glad I didn't have to do the 500 squats thing. I'd heard about people having to do it in Japan. It's one of those paying your due things. I'm glad I didn't have to do it because I think it would take a toll on your knees. But just there are times where you will have to do things that you're thinking, oh, I don't know. But you, you might just have to do them because you're a trainee you know, um, the the drills I have done to the point of where I've had to be sick, that has happened to me, um, and I kept going after, being in Source Wrestling School, and being trained by Killian Dane, with help from Nicky, and mainly Mikey Whiplash, that prepared me for just about anything, I remember one day in that gym, there's this drill called grapes where you're in the corner and you're basically simulating crushing grapes on the ground and you're just basically marching but bringing your knees up to like your chest and i remember doing that for probably about six minutes and i got to the point where my legs could no longer move and it was a brilliant day for me because we've all done cardio i've been to the commonwealth games I've, I'm a two-time British amateur wrestling champion, and I will tell you, there is only one time in my life when my mind was willing to go, when my body physically could not, my legs could not move, and that was during a professional wrestling drill led by Robbie Brooks. That's how bad I wanted that. And I, that was a great day for me because I knew my mind was so strong and I wanted this so bad that I was willing to go to the point where my legs could no longer work. A lot of people will say, oh, I had jelly legs, I'm running. BS, there's a point where you literally cannot move your legs. I couldn't move them. I had to roll out of the ring afterwards. I could not move my legs. I was sore for days, but I was delighted because I knew that's how bad I wanted it. And I showed myself that I was willing to push myself to that point. And I knew if I was willing to do that, no one was gonna show me up in a tryout or a drill. And I've always prided myself on that. You know, I didn't get signed in 2013 or 2014, but there was nobody in that tryout that was gonna be beating me on those drills, and nobody did. And that's just that. You know, I didn't have the best physique. Very basic wrestler, and I guess the promos needed a lot of work, but nobody was going to beat me on those drills because that's something that you can take care of. Can you imagine how powerful you can be if you can take care of all the hard work bits? That's the easy part. That is the easy part. If you do the drills, if you go to training, if you show up every time, that's the easy part. It's hard becoming a great wrestler, it's hard coming up with an awesome character, it's hard to change your body, but if you can show up and work and do your best it doesn't require any brain surgeon like cerebral genius it just requires grit and determination and sure that is difficult physically but mentally all you have to do is keep going and keep moving forward What people don't realize when they get into professional wrestling is how difficult it is. They're not ready for it. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But I keep digressing, but it's because I'm passionate about it, you know? But anyway, so you get to the training school. We've talked about why you want to be there. We've talked about selecting a good training school. And folks, let me be clear. I was in Edinburgh, and I was traveling through to Pollock Shaw's to go and train at Source Wrestling School. So that was at least, that was basically a two-hour journey each way paying like what, 13 to 15 pounds each time, plus training fees, multiple times a week, doesn't matter. I was willing to do it. So I started training and, you know, initially there was cynicism, but people started warming up to me because I was backing it up. I was going to training every day I was working hard. I was doing everything I could do to get better. And there was just this air that, right, this guy's willing to put in the work. So maybe, maybe he might be something, who knows? And I find out that Robbie Brookside, who is now a coach in NXT, is going to be at, uh, he's he's going to come to Source Wrestling School, wait for this people, for seven days straight, from 10 in the morning till 10 at night. Whoever's there, Robbie Brookside is going to train them. And I remember, When I started pro wrestling, I didn't have a job at that point. But by this point, I'd got myself a fairly decent job. And actually, this is when my goals changed because I'd always had this mentality that I wanted to do the most basic job possible because I didn't want to have any worries when I went home. But I later discovered, that's my creaky chair, by the way, uh, nothing else now. But I, I discovered that it's actually harder to get a minimum wage job than to get something that was related to my degree it's harder to work in ocean kitchen bar and grill than it was to be a marketing officer or a, a marketing uh manager or whatever I think I had three job titles something like that um a lot until I went full-time pro wrestling but I started uh, as a marketing assistant by the time this was coming about I think I was working for a college and I had a fair you know I'd, i w- I was fairly happy it was part-time but Robbie Brookside was going to be there for seven days and I hadn't accrued holidays, but I went into work and I told them, told them straight. I said, uh, just to let you know, this, this trainer called Robbie Brookside, you know, British wrestling legend, and at this point he had just signed with WWE, is going to be at the training school for seven days and I need to go for every session, basically. Um, and I understand if you need to fire me, because I don't have the holidays accrued, if we can make this work, I'll do whatever I need to do overtime-wise or whatever, but if we can't, I understand if we need to go our separate ways, and I was willing to walk away and take my chances unemployed, no problem, you know, obviously it'd be a problem, but nothing was going to stand in the way of me doing this, and actually it came again, so there was 14 days of Robbie Brookside being at the school, when he just started with NXT, this was his transition, so I got such a head start in my pro wrestling career, if you think about this, some people train once or twice a week for let's say anywhere between, let's say they train six hours a week, I was training like, so adding a few breaks, I was training 10 hours a day, so I had like 140 hours with who was effectively the, the, the coach at NXT within a few weeks, So if you want it, people, these opportunities are around. Dave Taylor's doing seminars around about this time every year. Marty Jones and Johnny Saint are doing seminars around the UK every year, all the time. These opportunities are available to you. You can go and do a seminar with these people. Now, I'd recommend that you get a basic level of training first, but I'm just making the point that these opportunities are available for everyone, but it's just really how bad do you want it? This is when the excuses start to come into play. And if your life is not allowing you the space to pursue these because maybe you have a job or maybe you have children or maybe you have, there's, maybe you don't have the finances or whatever. That's okay because I was in a position in my life where I didn't have any responsibilities at that time other than to myself. So, I could go and pursue these things. But then when you have responsibilities, that's when you need to make choices. It's not to say that you can't do it. You just have to make some sacrifices in in some other areas. And that's where like Gary V talks about like, stop at the time it was, he would say, stop watching Lost. Stop playing Madden. These things can go. And it is true. There is, people can do it, even with full schedules. I know people with families and really important jobs that can make this work and you can do it. Basically my advice depending on what you want. But if you want to be successful, go to training with a reputable trainer. Be humble when you go in. Don't make the mistake that I did and be over the top and try and be Mr. Charisma because it is not going to get you. And it's not going to get you where you want to be. Let your work speak for itself. Show your charisma when you're asked to do a promo. Show your enthusiasm. Show your athleticism when it is asked of you. Show a little bit of humility. And that's coming from experienced people because that's what I messed up right at the start. But anyway, so people often ask me, you know, so we're in 2013, right? I've chosen my training school and I'm training every day. And I'll tell you now, this is one of the most fun times in my career because there was no BS. Wrestling, again, folks, don't get into wrestling thinking that it's the dream because it is the dream. But the dream comes at a cost. Everyone in the professional wrestling business pays a price to be in it, a heavy price. Trust me on that. It is a tough business. It is as tough as anything that I've ever tried to do in my entire life and it breaks people. But at the same time, it is the most wonderful business that you could ever hope to be a part of. It will provide you with the highest highs, the lowest lows the absolute best people you will ever meet and the scum of the earth who will try and sabotage you at every single moment and you better be ready for that. You'll have people who help you up and people who try and squash you and push you back down. It's just one of those businesses. It's one of those businesses that so many people want to do it and there's not enough spots for everyone. So it can be a bit chaotic at times. But when I was in that training school, I wasn't getting booked. I wasn't on shows. All I was doing was training and just trying my hardest and applying my skills and developing. And it was possibly, it was one of the most fun, exciting times of my life. And it was just being in that one room in that training school. And if you do it and you don't love it, you tried. You put your ass on the line, you went out there and you tried. But what if you do love it? It could be the rest of your life. And it doesn't need to, you don't necessarily need to be a wrestler. You can turn it to be a promoter. Mark Dallas of ICW went along to training. Wrestling wasn't for him. So he started his own promotion. And basically, if we're being honest, kicked off the whole resurgence of the British wrestling scene that we're seeing today. Go along, get involved, go help out at shows. If you're thinking this might be for me, then you owe it to yourself to get involved. But get involved with caution. Please understand, it's a tough business. It's so tough. I remember I was helping out with a training school, uh, with a training session. This is about when I was like maybe two years in or something like that. I was taking the warm up, and there was uh, somebody there who was a fan of ICW. I'm not gonna call them out. I'm not gonna throw them under the bus, but this is what happened. So they came on to the training session, started the warm up. And this is a difficult thing for me. Started doing, we were all counting push ups together. So one, two, three, all the way to 10 or whatever. And this guy would stop after like two or something like that. And I remember saying, and he was just stopping. I was like, uh-uh. I was like, you have to. I said, look, with all due respect, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I don't care how long it takes. I do not care. But you must finish these push ups beside this person, there was a a teenager, who again, wasn't in the best shape, but was just gritting it through these, and I can tell, when someone's given it 100%, and I'm sorry, like, maybe I expect too much, when I'm helping out with training, but I want to see that passion, I want to see that, and this person would do one push-up, and stop, and take a big break, and whatever, and blah, 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 and I remember saying, look, I'm at this point now where I will help you do these pushups, assisted. So I will help, well, I was basically lifting the dude up and like letting him go back down and lifting him up. And he'd come a little bit, no, no, no. I was like, you need to complete the push-up, And this person just burst into tears. This person, this person was hyperventilating. And at that time I was like, what have I done? I've literally pushed this person to, they're having almost a breakdown here. Hyperventile, I'm thinking, what What have I done? Have I gone too far? And I'm like, in my mind, I was like, it was it, was, it was five push-ups, I didn't care how long it took. I've seen people who were severely out of shape who had managed to get through it, but this person just didn't want to do it. And they found it really difficult. And that doesn't make this person a bad person. That just means, and this is the harsh fact of it, we live in a very I'm going to be careful here. The society we live in right now, there's never been a more kind of, I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to disrespect anybody because, you know, that's the last thing I want to do. But with pro wrestling, you have to hurt people's feelings sometimes. And I knew this person just, this person just doesn't want it. They're not, if they're not willing to do these push-ups, so they went up to the top away from everybody else and to take a breather, and to come back, and then wanted to join in with the other bits later, I'm like, no, you have to finish the other push-ups, it was like five push-ups, I was like, you must finish these, you must complete the warm-up before you start, and that was when they left, now, in any other business, this could be seen as pushing someone too far, or, you know, and don't get me wrong, I felt bad about it, ended up speaking to the person later about it, and all that, but that it was clear to me, and here's the the difference, people, right? Let's not forget that the implications of professional wrestling are that of, they're that of a combat sport, you know? And again, your opponent's life is in your hands, and if if I can't trust you to get out those five push-ups, can I trust you to hold me over your head, to land me safely when you're tired? I don't know. I'm gonna look at the comments now. I'm gonna look at the comments, I'm gonna look at some of these. So, someone asked, how in shape do you need to be to start uh, wrestling school? It is really down to you from your approach. We said that earlier. For me, I wanted to make a, an impact, if you will, pun intended, I wanted to make an impact. So I went with about two or three months weight training behind my belt. Some people go in fresh and they wanna use wrestling to get themselves in shape. It's all part of the journey, people, It's your decision. If you're a procrastinator, I would advise that you just go and grit through it. And trust me, the first session is possibly going to be the hardest day of your life. But it will—you will find out more about yourself in gritting through that than anything else that you ever do. It is so rewarding, folks. This, as I say, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm going to bring it to. Uh, I close now because this episode was really just about asking yourself the reasons why. Asking yourself the reasons why and finding a correct training school. When you find that training school, always have those long-term goals in your mind, but bring it back to the hard work. Put in the work. Put in the work. If you're asked To step into a certain opportunity, you best be as ready as you can possibly be. And it's just repetition after repetition after repetition. If someone like Robbie Brookside comes to your training school, are you willing to just make it work no matter what to make sure that you can go to every single session? Are you? How much are you willing to give? Because it really comes down to that. It is there for the taking. There has never been a better time to be involved with British wrestling. And look, folks, this doesn't just apply to British wrestling. This applies to wrestling all over the world. I look at America and I look what's happening with the Monster Factory, a place where I've been personally, which is now the Future of Honor Academy for Ring of Honor. You can just go there and train. And if you do well, you're going to get signed by Ring of Honor. Can you imagine having that? Back in the day, can you imagine that? Well, this people is the reality that we live in. There has never been more opportunity in professional wrestling. Remember I was talking about music earlier? Now, there was so many bands in so few spots. Now with professional wrestling, it's more popular than it's been in terms like the amount of promotions and independent wrestling that's cropping up. There's never been more spots. People are starting to recognize that with music people see it's going down on a slope and people start to leave that and then people start to, again, look at me, you know? I was lucky in that I ended up, that professional wrestling was my number one passion, but what I'm trying to illustrate is this is a growing industry right now. Who knows how long that'll last for, but we're at a place now where there are more spots than there's ever been before and that means there's more people thinking about it than ever before. If you take that first step of going to a reputable training school, you are already ahead of 99% of the people out there that are thinking about it. So much of this is just about showing up time and time and time and time again. It is never a surprise who gets signed. There's one or two anomalies, but for the most part, it's never a surprise. It's always the people who have been training their asses off. It's always the people who are putting the work. The cream always rises to the top in this industry, and that's why we're lucky to be in it when you're not successful at it you need to put the responsibility on yourself there's been a few things recently that I wasn't happy with career-wise like oh maybe I would have been here maybe I would have been there you know what I can do I can either bitch about it or I can do something about it I can put the responsibility on my shoulders because there's plenty of wimps bitching about it in professional wrestling but if you're the one that's willing to take your own insecurities and and the things that you feel are wrong with your career and channel that into your training and try harder then you're going to be a, you're going to be ahead of the competition, and that's one of the. See when I say staying humble again, that's probably the biggest mistake that I made. I went in too confident almost. Don't get me wrong; it worked in a lot of ways, but there's a way to be confident without being arrogant. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, but let's let's wrap that up, man. I get I get passionate talking about talking about this. I can talk for hours. I have been talking for an hour. So we found our reason why. We've decided we owe it to ourselves to give it a go. We've shown up to training. We've gone every day. When the seminars are there, we have found a way to get there. People, I've got out of my bed at 4am in the morning to get in a car, to drive to Manchester, to meet someone else, to get in the car, to then drive to Leicester to start a seminar at 12pm to work my ass off for four hours and learn from one of the greatest minds in the business to get back in the car and do the drive back. Well over a hundred pounds down when you're talking about fuel and you're talking about the, the fee for the seminar. But what it gives me is invaluable knowledge. There is not a wrestling seminar that I ever regret. It is the most worthwhile thing ever. People, you have to invest in yourself. But when people ask me about wrestling, they ask about like, how do I get booked? How do I get wrestling gear? How do I do this? How do I get my name out there? Do I get a YouTube show? Do I get a podcast? What do I do? All that BS comes later. This is about the foundations. This is about habits. Remember those three things I talked about? You got your presentation with your physique or your look. You got your charisma and you got your in-ring ability. Let's get some Basic fundamentals in all three of these things. Let's make yourself someone bookable before you even think about getting to the promoter. Do you want to get to the promoter when you're like, eh, I eh, could book them? Or do you want to go? And the promoter's like, that's who I want on the show. Because people, something else you got to understand is every interaction that you have in your life, work-wise, you're a salesperson. You are a salesperson. No matter what you do. You might directly sell something. You might ask someone to do something. If you work in a non-sales role, you still have to sell the fact to your boss that you are a worthwhile employee. In professional wrestling, you're a salesperson with everything you do. You have to sell yourself to the, the promoter. You have to sell yourself to the fans. You have to sell yourself to your opponent. They need to know that you're at a high enough level to be able to pull off what needs to be pulled off. You're constantly selling yourself at all times. Sometimes it's just Indirectly but you need to start thinking of yourself as a commodity and you need to look at yourself against the competition. It's like Conor McGregor says, at the end of the day, the race is against yourself, but you must be aware of where you rank amongst the competition because you need to understand your leverage at all times. That comes later though. Right now, we're talking about training. Promise me this. I want to hear one person, just one person, that goes to training because of this. Contact me. Anyone listening to this, contact me. Someone put up the Discord link right now. We'll put it up in the po- we'll get it to the podcast folks somehow. Or tweet me, email me. My email is on my Twitter. It's right there. There are ways to get me. If I'm if I'm too busy or not able to do something, we'll let you know, right? But there are ways to ask questions. There are ways. Just tweet me if you got a question there are ways to do it. Everyone's available now. It's a crazy, crazy time. I'm looking at the comments there. Do you think 27 is too old to start training? Absolutely not. I was approaching 25. Again, DDP is the great example, but see when I was looking at professional wrestling, I was thinking about it. Did anyone else used to do this? You go on Wikipedia and you get obsessive about the age of certain people the certain age of, of, oh, such and such had achieved this by 21, such and such had achieved this by 20. Oh my God, this person was world champion by 26. It doesn't matter. They're not you. This is about your journey. And let me make this very clear. Age is not going to be the determinant factor in whether you're successful or not. It's just that there happens to be a pattern, but I wasn't part of that pattern. DDP wasn't part of that pattern. Some people start later. Let me tell you this. If there was a granddad wrestler that was getting over, if there was a granny wrestler called Granny Smith that was getting over on the indies and making money, guess what? She'd be signed to a major organisation. I also got told by a very wise person in this business at the very, very top of the game. "If, If they think that they can make money from you, you will have a job. You will have a job. If you can put bums in seats, that's what it is all about. That's where your leverage comes from. You need to be undeniable. That's what undeniable means. So good that you cannot be denied. You won't need to sell yourself at that point because the people have already bought in. But again, that's way down the line. That's way down the line. So before uh, before we wrap up here, let's uh, look at some more of the comments intently because uh, that is how you know, I want to do this. I want to make this as, uh, as interactive as possible. So um, let me just bring this over here and we can scroll through some of these. All right, so we're wrapping up the podcast now. You'll notice that there hasn't been any sponsors or anything like that. Again, I'm just looking to give something back right now. We may have a sponsor. I don't know, but that's not my main reason for doing this right now. I'm just trying to give you guys the best content that I can. Okay, someone's asking, is this going to be up on YouTube or in the VOD afterwards? Now, my plan was to do this in episodic format, then to provide a a kind of YouTube bullet-pointed version of it, if you will. It was like three or four minutes long that discusses the topic of getting started, finding a training school, and all that sort of stuff. But now it seems that people maybe want the long form of it. So I will probably put it up. I'll put it up on Facebook. Um, it will be on the VOD and Twitch afterwards, and it will be in podcast format. I will try and edit it tonight and have it up for tomorrow morning. It may not. Um, But we'll get up soon. So, someone asked to build a solid base. It may sound crazy. um, But, okay, so talking about other sports and the strength they built up, I can't really offer any insight on that, but I understand what you're saying. Um, Okay, so Maggie says, so happy that they turned up to the school, is nowhere near where they want to be, but I'm far away from pondering whether I want to try it. And I commend you for that. Because can you imagine going through your life and just thinking, what if, what if? So the next person says they found a rest in school, just waiting to finish physiotherapy. Do you think I should risk any more damage? That is a very tough question. I would not want to be the person that's responsible for putting you in the line of danger. Um, I'll tell you my scenario. Um, I had a, a leg injury from when I was a young man, young, stupid man. My, it was so bad that my leg was actually facing the wrong way around by the end of this. Um, I had to have a very serious operation for a spiral fracture, and I had a plate in my leg. When I started wrestling for the first year, I was, told, I was basically told, you'll never do sports professionally. But hey, since then... Two British titles, a Commonwealth mouth games, and a half-decent independent professional wrestling career later. It can be done. But when it comes to your neck, that is serious. Always go through the channels of a professional when it comes to your neck. I can't advise you to bypass that. Health is number one. Health is number one. Again, folks, this is about the love of doing it. If you're going to put yourself at risk of nerve damage or damage to your neck or your spine then maybe being a wrestler isn't the route to go down if a medical professional that, that is respected tells you that you can then they're going to know better than than me but if there's still healing to be done maybe look into some other roles does promoting interest you some people start their own t-shirt companies their merch companies merch is huge in professional wrestling we'll get to that on a different day But there are so many things you can do. My advice to you would be, if you found a wrestling school, you don't need to be training right now. You're you're injured. Maybe you can go along and help with shows that they have. Maybe you you just need to get involved. You just need to get involved. So next one says, thanks for the inspiration. I hope to find wrestling training when I'm medically ready. Uh, Well, best luck to you. I hope so as well. Um, So um, someone says, plenty of... People in my school started 27 plus and are currently getting booked locally. Never too late in my opinion. I would have to agree with that. I would really have to agree with that strongly. It is never too late. You have to try it. You owe it to yourself. Someone brings up PCO as well. 51 and just signed for Ring of Honor. Who would have thought that? Respect. Alpha says, Alpha ir says, I mean, I'm genuinely going to go and give it a try because of this podcast. If that's the case, then this podcast series is already a success in my eyes. Um, so let's just uh, see any final questions before we go. Um, so someone mentioned they started training. And says the lesson hit me hard. I had no clue what to expect. The lesson started with one solid hour of cardio. That's right. I, it's the same with me in source wrestling school. The first hour was these drills and warming up. And at the time, Especially with the drills, you're thinking, how is this relevant? But then when you're in a match and you have to dig deep and, and get that cardio, then you realize, okay, this is where was beneficial. Footwork drills, when you're in a match, you find your bearings, that's how this is beneficial. It all adds up. Okay, so I was talking about Al Snow's Wrestling Academy. We'd certainly recommend that. Al Snow is just a wealth of knowledge in the professional wrestling business. Um. Again... Uh, the same person has kindly listed a bunch of reputable training schools um, around the Manchester area. Okay, I think uh, I think we may be through the the big portion of the the comments. There's some other stuff. Someone talking about um, their experiences at the WXW Academy, folks. I'm going to tell you right now, I. I have actually, uh, this year, I kind of want to go to the WXW Academy. And hey, I'm, I'm like an established independent wrestler, but I'm happy to go as a trainee because I had a match with Timothy Thatcher and it absolutely blew my mind. It was probably the most over I've ever been in a match and nothing was planned before I or anything like that it absolutely blew my mind the way that guy wrestles and if he's teaching at WXW then maybe it's time for me to invest in myself and go over there and learn as much as I can from Timothy Thatcher because that's the style I want to learn from him and mix it with a little bit of this and a little bit of that that's what wrestling is as well remember I said I was a fan of The Rock don't just be The Rock don't be a copy take that And okay, I'm going to take a bit of influence from the rock here. I'm going to mix that with a bit of Timothy Thatcher's in ring style. I'm going to, you know, I'm a fan of Ric Flair's promos. I'm going to do some of the music stuff. You remember my music character? My music character is David Brent. That's who I am in professional wrestling. Look at my early promos. It's David Brent crossed with early Kurt Angle. And that stemmed from a conversation that I had with Mark Dallas from ICW. And you know what? Maybe that's a good time to call it quits there. I've been saying that for about 20 minutes, but I'll get into that on a different day. So far, this this podcast, How to Become a Professional Wrestler, episode one, getting started. We've discussed getting the right motivations to start because you owe it to yourself. You're finding a reputable school. That is so important because folks, if you don't find a reputable school, you can get hurt and you can get hurt badly. People can die due to negligence with this. This is serious business, do not mess around. If you don't feel safe doing something, do not do it. When you start professional wrestling, it should be about basics, absolute basics, forward rolls. Forward rolls, footwork, locking up, back bumps and suplexes and all these other things should come later. Start with the absolute basics. If you're getting dumped on your head in your first session of training, then maybe you're not with a reputable trainer. Let's be smart about this, people. This is your career. This is your body. This is your life. And let's remember as well, there's a thing in wrestling. There's serious abuses of power. And I've seen it in the past. Thankfully, it gets called out now. But in professional wrestling, it's not uncommon for trainers to deliberately hurt trainees if you're not with a reputable trainer. This is your body. Just because someone's a little further up than you on the ladder does not mean that you're not a human being that deserves respect. You deserve to be respected as a human being. Your health and safety deserves to be respected. At the end of the day, you are paying not to be beaten up. You are paying to push yourself, but you are paying to learn. You are paying to get experience. You are paying to pay your dues. You are paying because of your passion for professional wrestling, not to be ripped off. So you know why you're doing it? You found a reputable trainer You're training as often as possible, at minimum, multiple times a week. You're making time to go to those seminars. You're shaking people's hands, but you're not interrupting conversations. You're using your common sense. You're helping out. You're setting up the ring. You're helping merge. You're actively asking these people, how can I help? You're handing out flyers. You're doing what you can do to make yourself invaluable, even as a trainee. You're the trainee that to be around because you're helping with all these things you're willing to put in the work you're willing to travel down and do seminars because why because you want it because you love professional wrestling you know why you're doing it you found the training school you're showing up as often as possible you're paying your dues you're being respectful you're being humble you're never giving up and you're giving it everything that you've got you're building a pattern of behavior That's what it's about. No one wants to go to the gym. I hate going to the gym. I hate lifting weights, but when it becomes a pattern of behavior and you get used to the great feeling you get when you, after you've lifted weights, and you think, I love that feeling of improving. It's addictive. You're building behavior. While this is all going on, you're building that behavior. You're remembering those three components. Is my physique getting better? Am I thinking about my character and my presentation and my entrance and my music? William Regal told me, he he asked what, he said, your character should know what they were doing on the third birthday. He said, you know why Bray Wyatt is brilliant? Because he knew what he was doing on his third birthday. And what he meant by that is Bray Wyatt knows Bray Wyatt so well that he knows exactly what Bray Wyatt would have been doing on his third birthday. That stuck with me. I think about that. What would Joe Henry, local hero, Joe Henry, the prestigious one, have been doing on their third birthday? I can tell you because I've thought about it. If you're working a job that you hate, use that time, get your work done, and then obsess about professional wrestling for the rest of it. Think, how am I gonna improve my diet? Money-wise, okay, things aren't great, but maybe I'm gonna eat oats instead of this. Maybe I'm gonna do a bit of intermittent fasting. Maybe I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do five by five, strength and conditioning. I'm gonna do, plan things out. You are a plan, you are a project this is your obsession now, you owe it to yourself, give it everything that you've got, you know why you're doing it, you found the training school, you're going all the time, you're paying your dues, you're being as valuable as you can, you're building behaviours and you're working on these three things as often as you possibly can and what happens once that's done? Well, we'll tackle that in episode two. Folks, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to Alpha R specifically, who has contributed to the podcast. I thank you very much for that. And I will check that out in detail. Thank you to everyone who watched along. This has been an absolute pleasure. This seems like a podcast series. I definitely want to continue. But thank you for joining me on the very first episode of How to Become a Professional Wrestler. Episode one, we were just getting started challenge yourself, this is all I want you to do, this is all I'm asking you, go online and find me a reputable training school near you, I don't care if it's an hour away, two hours away, three hours away, four hours away, I knew people that were traveling from Aberdeen to Glasgow to train and guess what, those are the people on shows right now, if you want it, it it's absolutely there for the taking, all I ask is that you get started, you owe it to yourself to try, get started and join us back for episode two. Thank you so much, folks. I've been The Prestigious One, and I shall see you next time.